And that, that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday, that Jesus is alive and that he's still at work in his people. It was appropriate that we started our service this morning with a, a thing about mobile phones. I don't know if you, you know, uh, sorry, also if you've got your Bibles, can you turn to John 20 as we do this? Um, but uh, on the 23rd of April, I believe, they're going to send a message to everybody's mobile phone. Did you all know about this? Uh, some of you did. So on the 23rd, your phone is going to go off and it's going to sound an alarm. I'm not sure for how long, 20 odd seconds or something. And they're going to send this to you and your phone's going to go off. And it's going to go to every mobile phone in the whole of the UK. And, and I think the reason they're doing this is they're preparing us for some disaster. I'm not, I'm not really sure what use it will be, you know, to tell us that we're about to be hit by nuclear missiles or, or an asteroid or a tsunami or something along that magnitude that they need to send this message to everybody just so you know. But, but it, it precipitates a really interesting question, this event. Is what are you going to do if you knew you had one day to live, what are you going to do? Oh, party! <laughs> Just run amok, go and buy that dress or that TV or that phone, whatever. One day, 24 hours, 24 hours to live. We went into, and it's sad, but but positive as well to announce that Perry, some of you will know Perry, who was part of Lifeway, and Perry died yesterday. And, uh, and, and before he died, uh, Mylene, who's the haven worker, and myself, we, we went in to see him. And, and Mylene, I had to drive Mylene in because she'd broken her wrist. And as we went in to see him, we'd gone to minister to him and, and to pray with him, prepare him for death. And, uh, and, and as we were praying for him and just being with him and things like that, the last thing he said to us, was smiling, I'm really sorry about your wrist. I hope it gets better. And, 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 you know, as we walked away from that hospital room, we turned to each other and we said, you know, isn't that Perry? You know, at the moment of death, thinking about others. And, and, and the story that we've been working our way through over the last few weeks and thinking about is that story. It's the story of Jesus knowing that he has 24 hours to live and facing the reality of his death. And what does he do? John 13 tells us he washes the disciples' feet. In fact, John's gospel, and we're going to be looking at John 20, from John 13, it just starts this focus on those last 24 hours. John focuses more than any of the other gospels on those last 24 hours. And, and, and it begins with this act of service that Jesus was undertaking for the disciples. And it wasn't just that moment of washing the disciples' feet. It was the significance that Jesus was about to lay down his life for those he loved. In fact, John, in John 15, has Jesus telling us. Can we go to the next slide? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And then 
the, the story of the crucifixion, the story that the journey of Easter tells, is the story of someone caring for others so much that they were willing to die on a cross for them. The, the reality of the, the death of Jesus and Good Friday is not that Jesus died, but that it is Jesus died for me. And, and I hope everybody here understands that. There's a difference. You know, Jesus died is, uh, yeah, tick. You might believe it, you might not, but you can affirm it. But it's different when you understand that Jesus died for me. That actually he was acting as the servant, as the servant king to give his life so that you could know the forgiveness of God. So that Jade could know the forgiveness of God. So Alistair could know the forgiveness of God. So Rachel could know the forgiveness of God. He died for me. And, and I hope every one of us understands that. Because if you don't, you need to recover that truth. The amazing reality that Jesus died and it was an act of service. Not some historical event 2,000 years ago. But something that is totally pertinent for this moment for you. Christ died on a cross, and we proclaim that reality. But he just didn't die. He also rose again. And we celebrate that resurrection today. And we celebrate that resurrection because when he rose again, he rose to bring about new life and a new beginning. See, some people think of Easter, and they think of Christianity even, as, as a sort of cyclic thing. So we were born and we live and then we die and then someone else is born and they live and they die. And there's this cycle of life and death. And all Easter is is just the reflection of this age-old reality of the cycle of life, of life giving way to death, giving way to life. And that's what Christianity is. If you read the Gospels closely, you will see that the resurrection of Jesus is not a cycle of life thing. It's not a repetition that happens year on year. We proclaim that Jesus rose from the dead and it is a decisive moment in time. I, I, I sometimes use the analogy of, of train tracks. And you know, if you're going along a train and uh, there, there's, a, there's a branch line in East Lothian where if you're going to North Berwick, you have to get the branch line, otherwise you end up in London. And, uh, and there's a very important point, set of points where that train decision has to be made by those points. And the moment that decision is made, it sets that train on an onward journey to a particular destiny. Christians proclaim that Jesus' death and resurrection is like the points, not a cycle, but a decisive moment in time which redirects history and the reality that we all face. That's what we proclaim, that a decisive moment has happened. And it invites every one of us to discover that decisive moment for ourselves. You know, this isn't meant to be, you just come along, well, it's Christmas, we'll go to church, it's Easter, let's go to church. And, oh, it wasn't as good as last year, or it's better than last year, I hope get better presents or Easter eggs this year, and uh, having granddaughters helps. And, um, and, and uh, 
It's not that. Easter invites a decisive intervention of God in your life to make a decisive difference. It invites you to confront the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection and make a decision in the light of that that is about transforming your life. It's not about the same old, same old, same old. It's about a brand new beginning, a new thing. The story that we read in John 20, the story of Mary Magdala encountering Jesus, is a story about that new creation. You see, John sets out a scheme, and, and uh, it's not always obvious when you're reading it, but the academics reckon that this is what John is doing. Uh, there are parallels between what John does in his gospel and the first two chapters of the Bible in Genesis. If you look at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, you'll see that it starts with seven days. God creates the world in seven days. And then after the creation story, seven-day creation story, they, they say there's another story. Get me? That's another sermon. But, but Genesis 2 moves us from the seven days into a different story, which is the story of the garden and of Adam in a garden. And Adam encountering not only Eve in a garden, but also the animals and naming the animals. And there, there's this significant movement in this idea of creation. And John replicates this story of creation. You'll know if you've read John's gospel that the Bible Genesis begins, in the beginning uh, was God. And John starts his gospel, in the beginning was you know, the word. See, it's, it's parallel. There's a parallelism. The sixth day into the story, the sixth day, Jesus dying on the cross on Good Friday, and he declares, it is finished. Again, taking us back to the sixth day of creation, where there's a declaration where God says, my work is finished, and it is good. And then there is the Sabbath rest. And then out of the Sabbath rest, John wants us to understand that something new is born. A new beginning. What John wants us to understand is all that's gone before is now about to be transformed as there is a new thing being birthed, a new creation that is being birthed. One of the brilliant things, and I encourage you, I've already encouraged you, but I'll encourage you again, to come along to the baptismal services tonight. Because one of the amazing things in, in baptism is this declaration which says, my life that's gone before has now passed away and I have a new beginning. You know, one of the messages that our society has is, is, well, you just have to live with it. You know, you messed up your life, live with it. You've had all these experiences, live with it. Just deal with it. Don't be in denial. If you try and look at anything else, it's just denial. You know, the message of the cross and Jesus' resurrection is, you don't have to live with it. Because Jesus took it on himself. 
died on a cross and rose again so that you can have a new beginning. You know, that Jesus can deal with your past and release you from all of the bad choices, of all of the wrongs, and give you the possibility of a new life and a new beginning. The encounter that is happening in John 20 is echoing the garden of Genesis 2. That's why, that's why Jesus is described as the gardener. And uh, it's, it's like, what's going on here? And, but John is, is trying to resonate with this idea of Genesis 2. What he's saying is that the resurrection is bringing about this new thing, this new possibility, this new place, this potential for a new relationship with God. Now, now some people don't believe this. They, they kind of think, well, I've just been too bad. Or life has been too rough. Nothing is ever going to change in my life. And the promise of the resurrection is that God makes change possible. The promise of the resurrection is the possibility of a new beginning. Mary is in the garden and we, we see her weeping. And as, as she's weeping, Jesus walks up to her. And, and she says to Jesus, she, she says, you know... The, he asks her, why are you weeping? And, and she answers and she says, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they put him. Here's the amazing thing about this story. is that Mary could not see the new thing that God was doing. Mary couldn't see the new thing that God was going to do in her life. She couldn't see it. And, and, and uh, she, was, she thought she was looking for it. She thought she was open to it. But she wasn't. She maybe had had the disappointment of watching Jesus die. And all the pain and the hurt. And she's weeping at the sense of loss. And thinking, Jesus isn't here. And he's standing right in front of her. She can't see it. She can't see the new thing that Jesus is offering. You know, there might be some of us here this morning who can't see the new thing that Jesus is doing. You might be sitting listening to me this morning thinking, what is wrong with Alistair? <laughs> you know, doesn't he know that <laughs> everything's rubbish? <laughs> we're, all, we're all poorer. <laughs> Life's hard. It's tough. What do you mean there's a new thing? That Jesus is standing here as the risen Savior offering a new beginning. Jesus wants us to discover that new start and that new beginning. Maybe then goes on and uh, Jesus calls her by name. Jesus speaks and, and it, it's significant as the dialogue goes on. Um, he says, he turns and Jesus says to her, Mary, Mary. It was interesting, uh, we had a prayer meeting. Oh, another thing you should all come to, the 9.30 prayer meeting is great. And uh, we were having a prayer meeting before the service. And uh, somebody prayed. And, and they actually said, Lord, let us have a sense that you call us by name. They didn't know what I was about to preach about, but that's what I was about to preach about. 
Jesus spoke and he called Mary by name. You know, my, I'm called Alistair, and God wants me to hear my name this morning. And he wants me to hear Jesus saying, Alistair, know my resurrected reality. I want you to just think what your name is and understand that Jesus wants you to hear him calling your name, inviting you into a new reality and a new beginning. Not some cyclic thing, not same old, same old, but a new start, a new beginning, a new life brought about through a decision to follow Jesus. You see, when Jesus calls Mary, there's two things going on here. The first thing is that there is an act of Jesus taking dominion. Again, back to Genesis chapter 2. Adam names all the animals. There's a great Bob Dylan song about that. And, uh, and, and, and Adam names all the animals, and they're brought. And, and the reason that's there is, is, is because a statement of Adam taking dominion in relation to the animals. And, and, and it's the same thing when Jesus says Mary's, his na Mary's name. He's inviting Mary to recognize Jesus as Lord. And, and, uh, and, and you'll see at the end of the story, she rushes and she says, I've seen the Lord. <laughs> and, and the new beginning comes out of recognizing the Lordship of Jesus. That Jesus is risen and he calls you and he invites you to recognize him as your Lord. That's what the resurrection is about. It's not just warm feelings or Easter eggs. It's about the Lordship of Jesus and that Jesus is risen so that he can be your Lord. And so when he says your name, he invites you to recognize his Lordship, to live for Jesus and to live in accordance with what Jesus wants for your life. That's what the resurrection is inviting you to do. But the second thing is it's inviting you into a relationship. And when he says Mary, he's saying, I want you to discover a new relationship. The wonder of a new relationship. It was brilliant talking to Jade there. Uh, I haven't heard much of Jade's story, but just the excitement of discovering a new relationship. Some of you will remember what it was like to date and before dating apps. And, um, but, you know, a new relationship and the excitement of that. The wonder of that, the awe of that, the new beginning of a new relationship. When Jesus says Mary, or when he says your name, and invites you, he invites you to recognize him as his Lord, and he invites you to realize the reality of that new relationship, which offers that new beginning. Jesus has died and Jesus has risen. And he's died and he's risen for me and for you. He's died and he's risen so that we can know a new beginning, a new reality, a new creation. The old things can pass away and the new can be established. Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality of your resurrection.
And I thank you because you are a risen Lord, that you are here present this morning. I thank you that we can affirm the reality of Christ, that it's not some illusion, but it is something that is real and present. Lord, I pray that for those of us that need to be refreshed in our relationship with you, we will hear you again calling our names and that we will again capture the wonder of the resurrection and the wonder of the new creation that you have established in each one of us. Lord, I pray for those of us that don't know you, that have no sense of what the resurrection means. Lord, I pray that this morning we will discover the power of your resurrection, the power of new beginning, the power of forgiveness and new life. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.